The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m., and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. Today's message is the first half of a sermon preached by Elder John Morgan Owens on the occasion of his ordination to the full gospel ministry. His ordination occurred on May 14, 2022, which was the Saturday before the third Sunday in May. It also coincided with the 175th anniversary of the Constitution of Zion Church. Zion Church was constituted on May 15, 1847, which was the Saturday before the third Sunday in May of 1847. On that date, seven charter members came together to constitute Zion Primitive Baptist Church, led by Elder Andrew Jackson Coleman, who was the moderator of the Presbytery that day. 175 years later, the Lord has blessed us by raising up another minister of the gospel who is sound in the faith, as you will see from this message. In fact, this message that Brother John Morgan preached is an excellent summary of what primitive Baptists believe. I hope you'll stay with us today and join us again on the next podcast for the conclusion of this message by Elder John Morgan Owens, entitled, Dead is Dead and Grace is Grace. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Ephesians chapter 2. While you're turning there, I'll ask you a question. What are you here to see? (laughs) Did you come out into the wilderness to see a a shaking reed, right? Did you see, did you come out here uh, for the 
the anniversary meeting? Did you come out here uh, to listen to me answer questions? <laughs> Maybe hoping I'll get one wrong. Maybe hoping I'll get them right. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you know what I came here today for? To see my Savior one more time. Right. I love that Brother Mike said that. Sir, we would see Jesus. That has been on my mind this week. I want to see Jesus again. And I pray that we might see him in this passage. Ephesians 2 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now this is a bit of a bummer. <laughs> this is a bit discouraging. We read this, it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead. So first, I want to talk about what is dead. <laughs> I want to say a statement, dead is dead, okay? Now I want to set up, dead is dead, and then maybe when we all discouraged, <laughs> we can come back and have a pick-me-up of grace is grace, okay? It's really simple. I don't know why we try to complicate things. You know, when Jesus was teaching Nicodemus about this beautiful teaching of the new birth and his sovereign act of love in the new birth, he said, you realize, Nicodemus, a man can't see this. He cannot see the kingdom of God unless he be born again. And then what does Nicodemus do? He does the same thing that we all do. We want so badly to help out we want so badly to do something. He says, how can I do this? How can I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? He is automatically making it about things that he can do. And Jesus says, it's like the wind. <laughs> it blows where it wants to. Do you control the wind? No, dead is dead. Now, if you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> And verse 23, a very simple principle. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, if you're trying to earn something, if you're wanting to get paid wages for your work, what is, what is the wages of your work? The wages of sin is death. Okay, if you have committed one sin, you're guilty of the entire law. What is the punishment for sin? It's death. Okay, so if you've committed one sin, then the punishment that you deserve is death. Okay, have any of you committed a sin in your life? <laughs> you know, I know that I have. I've committed sins today. Each one of those deserving of death okay now those are sins those are the consequences of my sins that I have chosen to commit it, it pains me when I think of my Savior every 
every burden that He bore for me on the cross, every sin that I committed that was a burden on Him on the cross. Man, now that is, that is love right there, right? But I've got, I've got even worse news for you. You're not just a sinner because you have made bad decisions in this life and because you have a nature that loves it. You're not just, you're not just a sinner because you've made these bad decisions. In Romans uh, 5, if you go over there, I want to read you another passage. Romans 5 and verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man... Sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. All right, this is a doctrine of original sin. I like to think of it also as the federal headship of Adam, that in the garden, when God set up, uh, when, he, when He created us, right? He created us good. He said it was very good, Right? Now, some would say that God created us to fall in sin, that he could then redeem us and to save us. That's hogwash, okay? The Lord did not need any more glory than what he already had before he ever created this world. That God and, and his triune existence before he ever created anything was worthy of all glory. He didn't need to add anything to that. Why did he create us? He created us because He wanted to, right? It was His good pleasure to do that because, because He loved us. Can you believe? Can you believe that God would look down, that He would be in, in His self-existence needing nothing? He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. But that He would look down and His... And his ability to know all things. And that he would see you and he would love you. And he made us good in the garden and we fell in our sin. It was our fault that we fell. Now God could see that that would happen because he is amazing, right? He is unknowable to us in that. And because of that, before he ever created us, he covenanted with himself this covenant of redemption, right? Amen. That He would break Himself for you. But when Adam fell, I fell with him. And in my nature, I am corrupt. I come forth speaking lies before I ever had the chance to be tempted and to be drawn out of my own lust and enticed. I was already a sinner to the core in my nature. So you're a sinner by your choices. You're a sinner and, and you're and thus dead by your nature. Wow, that's, that's really uplifting, isn't it? I tell you, maybe I'm twisted, but that does encourage me. When I see that the Bible tells me that I'm worthless, my heart has been crying that out for a long time. You know, there's something so simple about the beautiful message of the gospel of Christ that we adhere to here that has been such a sweet rest to me. It's been a rest for me having 
to try to work my way into the good graces of God. That statement, if you'll think about it, doesn't even make sense. But instead, my heart has been crying out this whole time, there is no way, there is no way in my deadness that I can carry this burden. Praise God. But the answer came in Jesus Christ that He would bear the burden for us, right? So dead is dead. I want you to think about this. Jesus uh, had a friend, as we were all his friends. Jesus had a friend by the name of Lazarus. And Lazarus passed away. He died. And Jesus went to his graveside. He goes up there and, and Lazarus' sisters are weeping. And they're saying, Lord, if you had been here, he would not have died. I love their confidence. I <laughs> also love this. What, what one of the sisters said, I believe it was Martha, says, if you would have been here, he would not have died. And he, and, and he says that you'll see him again. And she says, oh, I know. She's talking about the resurrection. She knows that there is a resurrection. If anybody denies the resurrection, <laughs> I don't know why you would. <laughs> you just want to be miserable, right? The resurrection is good news. It means that this corrupt body will one day be raised up. Praise God. But, but he says, no, move the, move the stone away. <laughs> and she says, Lord, but he's, he's dead. He's been dead four days and he stinketh. He stinks. So, is dead dead? <laughs> I would say Lazarus was dead, okay? Now, obviously, you can, you can be dead the very second that your heart stops beating, right? You can, you can look as if, just like that young maiden that, that Jesus went and resurrected, she looked like she was just asleep. Finally, later, once he was pressed, he said, okay, okay, she's dead, all right? He kept saying that she was asleep because to him, there's really no difference, right? <laughs> but... But he says, she's dead. Well, here we have a man who's not only just with his eyes closed in sleep, he is stinking. He is showing forth the evidence of his deadness, okay? You know, if we had to, I don't know why we would do this. This is a weird example. But if we had to have a trial to establish whether this man was dead, we've got plenty of evidence, okay? He's in the grave. He's wrapped up in grave clothes. He's stinking. His family doesn't even want them to open the tomb because of embarrassment. What ability, think about this, what ability does Lazarus have in that state to come out <laughs> to ask Jesus, to ask the Lord that he knows has the power to do this, to ask him to resurrect him from the grave? In that passage, do you read where Lazarus sent a message or where Lazarus cried out or where Jesus asked him, and I'm not trying to mock, when Jesus would ask him and, and said, Lazarus, if you will just wiggle your pinky toe, I will come and I will resurrect you. No, it doesn't happen. Why is that? I mean, it makes sense, right? Why is that? Because he's dead, right? 1 Corinthians 2.14 we read this about yourself. The natural man receiveth not 
the things of God. Neither can he know them. They're foolishness under him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You realize that in your natural state, because of Adam, that you are dead. Right. We're told this in Ephesians 2. He hath quickened us who were dead. Okay, so we died. Also, I want you to think about this. In the garden, the Lord said to Adam and Eve, He said, don't eat of that one, that one tree. You've got one job, right? Don't eat of that one. And the day that you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, what did Satan say? As Satan comes up on the scene, he says, you're not really going to die when you eat of that fruit. Now, I would propose to you today that there has only ever been two schools of doctrine in this world. Amen. Right? Yes. Either we died in the garden or we didn't die That's in the garden. Okay? Now, who are you going to believe? <laughs> are you going to believe the God that cannot lie? Are you going to believe the father of lies? Amen, now, Satan says, you didn't, you're not going to die when you eat of that. You're just going to be like God. Now, we all want that. In our, in our flesh, we all want to have the throne. We all want God. That's, that's one of the reasons why we want to have something to do. I want, in my flesh, when we get to heaven, I want there to be a song reserved to me. Right? In my flesh, that's what you want. I don't read of any songs uh, reserved for me. It's all for Him. So, Either when we ate of the fruit in the garden and I was represented there, you were represented there. Either we got sick and just need a cure or either we died and we need a miracle. Right? What happened? We died. We died. So for Lazarus or for you in your spiritual state and in your, in your dead state in your natural man to do anything to reach out, to call out to God, is foolishness. Amen. What do you need first? You need your God to come down there in the grave of your heart with you and to call you to life. Amen. And that's what he does. Praise God. Amen. All right, so let's continue reading. We're dead. All right, that's where we are right now in, in, this, in this story. We're dead. Let's talk about what is grace. What is grace? Do you believe in amazing grace this morning? I do. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Let's go over to Ephesians 1 really quickly while we're there. Ephesians 1, and I'll read for you verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ 
according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Satan, as I said as I began, Satan lies to me and tells me that I don't deserve to be here. But yet when God looks at me through his covenant of redemption, when he looks at you, he sees someone who is blameless. He sees the blood of Christ on you. Having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. You notice that when he predestinated, he didn't predestinate what would happen or the things. He predestinated us. His predestination in Scripture, we also read that in Romans 8, is of people, <laughs> not of things. Right. What is it? He sets your destiny Amen. to be in heaven with Him, to be adopted by Him, to be conformed to the image of His Son. Right. Why did He do it? <laughs> According to the good pleasure of His will. Amen. Right. Because God wanted to. Amen. He wants you. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein we accepted Him, <laughs> wherein He hath made us accepted right. in the beloved. Right. Now, I know many of our dear brothers and sisters in Christ are laboring under this bondage right. of acceptance of Christ. And, and I understand that. And I don't, we should never mock anybody. That is a bondage. That's right. Amen. To think as you approach into the throne of God that it is up to you, <laughs> that it is up to you to finish the job, that Jesus died on the cross for you and then he left this one thing for you to do, to accept him, to pray a prayer. To hold on, to let go, to be baptized, to do any of these number of things in order to get you there in heaven. That's no comfort for me. Amen. That is absolutely no comfort to the child of God who understands who they really are. Why do we often begin our systematic theology approaches on total depravity? Why do we often do that? Because it is essential if you understand who you are and you look up and you see God for who He is, there is no other option Amen. than that He made you accepted, that Amen. He redeemed you, that He saved you from your sins. Right. Period. Amen. You know, people would see us as primitive Baptists and they would say, well, what does that mean? I mean, it sounds very complicated. Or very scary, one or the other, right? <laughs> but they come to us and they say, what does a primitive Baptist believe? Here is my response. That Jesus saved his people from their sins. Amen. That's it. <laughs> what is grace? That is grace. There's no, there's no, he saved you from your sins, but you've got to do this. You, he saved you from your sins, but now you've got to persevere in good works or you're going to be cast out. No, it is Him that made you accepted. Amen. 
Let's go back over uh, to Ephesians 2. We'll rest there for a little bit. So as we're talking about deadness and as we're talking about grace, I want to, I want to continue with our example of Lazarus and watch how, what happens when death and when grace collides. Okay. What did Jesus do? He said, roll away the stone. Martha protests because of the stinking, right? And then Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. He didn't, he didn't ask. <laughs> he didn't ask Lazarus if he felt like it today. He didn't ask Lazarus if, if he could make some step and that the Lord would take him the rest of the way. No, the Lord came in and His grace was irresistible, right? We, we talk about the irresistible grace. What is that? It is the, the calling when the Spirit comes to your heart and calls you by your name from death to life. Now that is a special thing. John 5 and 25 says that the hour is coming and now is <laughs> when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. What does that tell us about the new birth? It tells me that the new birth is something that is done intimately. It's, he doesn't send an angel. He doesn't, he doesn't send some other being. He comes Himself to you. He calls you by your name out of the grave of your nature. You're the deadness of your heart. He calls you from death unto life. Now that is what happens when grace meets death, right? Who wins? Grace wins every time. And Jesus won in grace over the grave. On that cross, when, when death and grace met again, <laughs> that fatal day. Now we see as, as Lazarus comes forth, this image of a miracle. Do you believe in miracles? <laughs> I believe in miracles. You know, a lot of times when we think of miracles, we think of being healed from something. When, when I think of miracles... I think of what God did for me. I don't know when it happened. I just know that I was dead in my nature and now I believe in Him, right? I know that He exists in the very core of my heart. I know these principles that are written in my heart. If you are sensitive to God, if you know that He exists, if you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, joy, faith, some of these others, that is evidence to you that you were already born again. Right? There's nothing left for you to accept. Now, I will say this. This is not a caveat. I just want to make this clear. You ought to accept Him. Right? But it's not to save you from, from, from hell. But man, let me tell you, when you wake up on a new day and the Lord has given you another day to glorify Him, you know what happens? You can either choose to go through that day accepting that you are the God of this world 
And you could have a miserable day because everything's going to let you down. Or you can accept that Jesus Christ, He is my Savior. We ought to accept Him every single day, right? But it's not. It's not to, to get my seat in heaven. He did that on the cross. Praise God. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.